I want to talk tonight about the church as the analogy of a body. Ephesians chapter 3 this evening, and I'm going to borrow some brains here on a little subject. I, uh, I think this is needed. I, it's amazing when something has been modified in culture, because of culture, um, people begin to think that the truth has been modified. And uh, I had a conversation with someone the other day, and they, they, they asked me at the car dealership, the guy said, do you think live stream is a church? I said, absolutely not. I said, would you like to date your wife on Facebook? Is that a marriage? <laughs> Amen? So, no, we understand, you know, for the time. We understand in the Bible there was times that the church had to do different things. And we understand if, if there's people at the door right now with guns, we may modify what we have to do uh, as a church. But technically, a church is a called-out assembly. You can't really say the word without saying the definition. That's what church means. It's a called-out assembly. And throughout the New Testament, you will read about the church coming together. That's the, that is the definition of a church. And so I want to talk a little bit tonight. Um, there's some confusion. And, and because people are at home watching the Internet or watching things on the Internet, sometimes people who uh, have different ideas about the church are heard more than their own pastor right now. Heaping to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And so let me give you just a little definition I got from someone about what the church is. Because there's a lot of wild things about what the church is. Okay? And everybody has their different idea. There's people that make a lot of money off of Christians that are trying to pull people from a local church. Let me give you a definition. A church is a group of believers who gather together to worship the Father, study the scriptures, to pray and fellowship together. From time to time, they observe the ordinances, the ordinances, and they are sent out to make disciples, all under the authority of the head of the church, Jesus Christ, and all under the authority of biblically, biblically qualified leaders. All right? I won't say it again. Maybe you kind of got it. But I want to talk about the idea of a church being a body and that it has something to do with being a member. Ephesians chapter 3, if you would. Ephesians chapter 3. And look in verse number 3. The Bible says... Paul's talking, uh, he said, I'm a prisoner, verse 1 and 2. And he was given this dispensation of the grace of God. How that by revelation, verse 3, he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. What's been revealed? What's this mystery? That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, and notice this phrase, and of the what? Same body. And partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. People say, do you believe in the local church or do you believe in a universal church? I don't believe it's an, uh, an or. I believe it's an and. I believe in both. I believe in both the local church and the universal church. That, it's, that's all throughout the scripture. What happens is people side one with the other and they want to make it an and or. It's not an and or. It's an and. Universal church, local church. And we'll talk about that here in a second. Now the Jews knew to some extent that the Gentiles would be saved. But they really didn't realize that they would be equal heirs. 
with the Gentiles. They did not realize, the Jews, Jewish Christians did not realize that they would be in one body with the Gentile. And there's where the rub was throughout the New Testament. Look what it says in verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. The church is seen in the Old Testament, but it was hid. You see it in type. And then if you see that next phrase, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. See, he revealed these things so angels could say glory to God. Look how wise God is. God did something in the church that man cannot do in the culture. God did something in through the church, in the church, with the church, that the Judaism could not do. Could not bring the Gentile and Jew into one body. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't take place. Notice the last verse, verse 11. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, God's purpose for the church is something bigger than my personal redemption. I'm saved, and I thank God for it. But the church is more than my personal redemption. That is humanistic. That's self-centered. That's why we have the mega churches today that are polling the people to find out what they want. I am not in the church for my benefit. God's eternal purpose for the church is that he gets glory. That's why you come to church. That's why you're in a church. That's why you're in the universal church, so to speak, the body of Christ. Okay, that's what people mean, and there's all kinds of doctrinal error with the universal church tag. I, I understand that. But, but the biblical term is body of Christ. And so he wants to receive glory. Flip over to chapter 1, if you would, please. It says here in verse number 22, Ephesians 1, verse number 22, And he hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. The church is Christ's body. Christ had a body number one. Excuse me. God had a body number one for Jesus. And he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the Bible tells us. And God prepared another body. It's called the church. To be the fullness of him that filled all in all. As it says there in verse 23. So, we are Christ's body on this earth. We're his representation on this earth. He cannot be here anymore, and so we represent him. Go to Colossians chapter 1. We're just doing a little Bible study here about the body of Christ, and then I'm going to give you something that will just kind of wrap this up here. Colossians chapter 1, and verse number 13, if you would, please. I'll have you flip to a few passages tonight. I hope you can do that quickly enough. Verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Wow. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Look, verse 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers 
all things, notice this, all things were created by him and for him. So we're talking about things in heaven, we're things, things that can't be seen. Verse 17, and he is before all things. He is not a created being. Jesus Christ was not created. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. So Paul puts it right there. Who is the beginning? The firstborn from the dead, that in all things he, amen, might have the preeminence. Jesus Christ is the head of the body. The Bible says it right here. The church is the body. We read it in Ephesians. We read it in Colossians. Now, what are we called to be as the body of Christ? Number one, write this down if you would, please. The body of Christ is called to be members. Ephesians 5, if you want to flip there quick, Ephesians 5, verse 30, I'll read it for you. It says, for we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. We are members of Christ's body. Again, that's his representation on this earth. His physical body's gone, but his spiritual body is here, and it's made up of physical bodies. Isn't that weird? His spiritual body is made up of physical bodies. Okay, hang with me for a second. If you were a member of a country club, you, uh, you pay your dues, right? In order to get in there, you don't just walk in there, amen? You gain access to the facilities by paying your dues, by, and they give you a card or whatever you need now. And you, will, you enjoy the services that they provide to be able to be a member of that country club. And if you get tired of it, you stop paying. And then suddenly your card doesn't work anymore. It doesn't matter if you have the nice white tennis shoes and nice white shorts. If you haven't paid your dues, you don't get to come to the country club. All right? But people today have started to look at the church as a country club. Something that they can just milk to get whatever they want out of it. You know, I'll just stop paying my dues. I don't have to come. You see, membership in Christ's body is a deep commitment. It's a deep commitment. And by the way, lack of commitment is worse than the pandemic. It's an, an endemic to our culture. People live together without any marriage commitment. Right? People would rather lease than buy. They, they want to be able to change things out. People buy something cheap from Walmart, kind of wear it out a little bit, put it back in the box and take it back. Hope that's not you. Today, nobody, nobody actually owns a CD anymore. You buy a subscription to Spotify or to wherever. You're looking at me strange. That's because you're old. <laughs> Some of you are going, they don't use eight tracks anymore? No. No, no, no more, Brother Fetter. It's gone. It's gone. They, people don't. They don't own their music anymore. They, they have a subscription to listen to it. People hardly own their own clothes anymore. They're, it's a true fact. People, people rent clothes. People have food delivered to their door. We're talking five-course meals delivered to their door. The whole pa- so people, we, we struggle with commitment. We want to know what the out clause is. 
And that is, unfortunately, affecting the church. It really does. How do I get out of this thing is often the way people think in our culture. And each member in the body of Christ is to be committed to the head. More than the other members. Your commitment is to the head more than the other members. You say, Pastor Matt, why should I continue to go to Cornerstone? If Jesus Christ has placed you in the body, Jesus Christ should remove you. I'm not talking spiritual body. I'm talking about the local body. It should be the Lord Jesus Christ that removes you. You know, most people don't think that way when it comes to leaving a church. They think about, well, the air conditioning doesn't work. And they talked about me or whatever it is. But just remember this. Our commitment as a member of the body of Christ is to the head, number one. You should come to this church and worship Jesus Christ whether anybody else does if he's placed you here. So let's talk about some reasons for membership. There's people that are scared of membership of a church now. They, they want that freedom to be able to go wherever they like to go. Interestingly, they don't, they don't like that marriage. Amen. I don't like that in other commitments. <laughs> but it's an interesting thing. And, and people will say, I don't really think I should join. You know, you know which body is yours. I mean, you're in consciousness. Uh, 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 you know who you are, right? You, I, I know this is my body. I, I know that's not my body. John, John Shepard's not my body. You know which bride is yours. Or you should. <laughs> it should be one. I know who my family is. I know who's in my family. They're a member. My wife and I are members of a marriage covenant. We're together. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 9 says, Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man. If people say, well, you struggle finding church membership. Well, there's one there, a biblical proof text for a widow let not a widow be taken under under three score years old having been the wife of one man we don't have time to go in why paul said that of some of the dishonest things that were going on at the time with widows but clear distinction is made in that verse of who was a member and who wasn't don't let this widow be taken into the number acts chapter 2 verse 41 says then they gladly received they they gladly received his word were baptized and the same day they were added Unto them about 3,000 souls. So there's a, there's a kick growing on right now. And I'm going to just say COVID is not helping it. This idea that I don't necessarily have to be a member of the church. It doesn't ma- a match or add up in other areas of our life. But we can begin to think that way. And I know some people that think that way. I believe the Bible has some proof for being a member of a local body. Now you are, if you're saved, if, if you ever got saved, you're in the body of Christ forever. You can't, you can't get out of that. Christ's not going to cut off one of his members, but the local church is a different story. And some will roam for a long time. And I'm going to talk to you about that in, in a minute, but, First of all, what you see, like we said, the body is called to be members. Number two, what is the body called to do? The body is called to unite. So it's called to be a member. 
We're called to be a member in the body, but we're called in the body to unite. There is a difference between attending and uniting. I go to Walmart, but I don't feel a camaraderie with the workers. Okay, now Miss Nelson May. But I don't feel that. She is a member of Walmart. Amen. She knows people by name there. Still, right? She does. Great job. She works there for years. But I'm not a member of Walmart. And I'm not even a member of Sam's Club. I mean, I don't know how you even get into his club. I think you have to pay a lot of money. But I attend Walmart. I went to reluctantly attend Walmart. I had to go... I had to go there. I don't like going to. I used to when I was a kid. Walmart was cool. It was less busy. It was like the. It was like a little mall. Now, no offense, it just gives me headaches. I would rather send my wife. <laughs> but I'm not a member of Walmart. I attend, but I have no commitment to them beyond here's your money and provide your service. Great restaurants. They're all inviting and they're welcoming, right? Friendly, comfortable. We enjoy their service, right? The bistro downtown. One of my favorite salad dressings in the whole world is the bistro downtown. Love it. I'm not a member of the place. I don't clean up, thank God. I don't, I don't cook for them. I don't go to the market and find their food. I, I have favorite sports teams. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan, Right? How many are Buckeyes in here tonight? How many are not saved tonight and are a Michigan fan? Anybody here tonight? I'm just kidding. Anybody a Michigan fan? Hey, hey amen. Come on forward. Altars are open. We're fans, okay, of teams, but we don't practice. We don't play. It hurts to just sit in that chair and then get up and leave. We're not in shape like these ladies and these men, no. We're not under contract. We like them, but we're not one of them. Does this make sense? So we can attend a place, but we're not a member of it. Go to First First Corinthians. Go to First Corinthians chapter twelve, please. The church is called to unite. It's it is part of what it means to be in the church is to unite. We're going to show you that here in the scripture. Not just in Christ's body but in his local body as well. Verse uh, 4 of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, it says, there are, now there are diversities of gifts. And I want you to notice these words. There's three D words here. Three, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of ministration, but the same Lord. And again, there are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Notice this, the man, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given unto every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Notice this phrase, the same, verse 9. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Look at verse 11. But all these worketh that one and the self same Spirit. Verse 13. Or 12, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. There's your spiritual body, salvation. So we all have different backgrounds. All over the world Christians have different backgrounds. But in this local body we have different backgrounds. 
different races, different social classes or economic levels, the different levels of education or spiritual gifts. But what makes us a church is that we're united. And what makes us united is that we don't just attend. It binds us together. Now, every church has struggles. Every church in the New Testament has struggles. You can read about the Corinthians. Wow. That's a good novel right there. They were divided and they were suing each other. Welcome to Corinth Baptist Church. Here's your personal lawyer. You might need him. I mean, what a place. They were suing. The Galatians, in Galatians 5.15, they were biting and devouring one another. As we said, a mouthful of wool. They were eating each other. Not physically, but they were chewing on each other. Folks, this is the body of Christ. Ephesians, Paul told them to, to keep the unity in Ephesians chapter 4. Keep the unity. In Philippi, there were two women battling out in the church. In Colossians... Paul commanded them to stop quarreling with one another and to forgive one another. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 through 15. These are the New Testament churches. <laughs> okay? These are the great ones that we want to be like. Or we don't even have to try sometimes. Amen? The Thessalonian church, they were told to have peace among themselves. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15 says this, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. If God abolished the enmity between the Jews and the Greek, deep-seated animosity between each other, then he can abolish the enmity in our churches that keeps us from being united. We have, we have way more in common than a Jew did with a Gentile. And God wants us to bind together, he said, for to make in himself, this is Ephesians 2.15, of twain, one new man. He said he wasn't bringing Gentiles into Jews. He was making an entirely new man. This is a new thing, a mystery. And it says, so making peace. We don't have to make the peace. God did. He did. He made the peace. And we are, in, are supposed to endeavor to keep it. He made it, and we are to keep it. In Ephesians 2.16, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. I preached a few weeks ago about what is your name. Have you ever told God your name is envy or enmity? Fighting. Listen to what he said. Hath reconciled both unto God in one body, Jew, Gentile, by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Paul says, Ephesians, I want you to understand, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your fighting. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your problem with that Gentile. He died for it. He was slain for it. Wow. 
The Bible says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in the hearts to which also you are called. Anybody know what the next phrase is? In one body. Called in one body. So we are to be united. And unite means we can be united even if we are diverse. Amen? Someone can blow their bubbles, their bubblegum bubbles the wrong way, and I can still be friends. They don't even know how to chew gum, but I can be a friend with them. God's called us to be at peace. Unity also means this. We are united by our functionality. Are you still there in 1 Corinthians or close to it? 1 Corinthians 12 says this, verse 21. It's talking about the specific functions of the body, what each part does. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, verse 21, 1 Corinthians 12, 21. Nor, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Jesus, the head, by the way, doesn't say, I have no need of thee. Verse 22, nay, much more of those members of the body which seem to be more feeble and are necessary. Or, excuse me, are necessary. You know, every member of this church is important. As is every member of the body of Christ. Every member is important. What is the weak link of Cornerstone Baptist Church? What's the weakest link? The person we could just do away with them. I say both of you guys. They're pointing at each other. (laughs) Can I ask you a question? Have you ever looked at a brain? The actual gray matter? It's really not that great. I mean, it's really not that beautiful. It's kind of gross to look at gray matter. It's not supposed to be on the outside, okay? You're not supposed to be able to see that. How about a liver? Have you ever been attracted to a liver? Mm-mm. Not even a, not even a deer that, that, that you've hunted and, and gutted. No, it's not attractive, okay? See, in the church, personal beauty... Or glory is not the gold standard. Contributions to the body is the standard of value. What that part does is what God sees. None of us have probably, unless we've seen it on some, some, on, on some sort of... Uh, x-ray or something, we haven't seen our liver. But thank God it functions. And the body edifies itself in love, the Bible says. The working of every part. A body, the body of Christ, and this local body is united by its functionality. If my body doesn't work together, it explodes. The pressure builds up and it explodes. So the body must work together. Verse 24, same chapter. Our comely parts have no, for our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together. Tempered means to change the structure through heat. God puts a body through fire, through heat to temper it, to keep it from falling apart. Read about the, the churches in Revelation chapter 3 that went through hard times to, that their gold would be refined 
that they'd have something in the judgment seat to give to the Lord. The Bible says in verse 25 that there should be no, depending on where you are in the world, either schism or schism in the body. There should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have, what's that word? The same care one for another. The body, my body functions because each member cares for the other member. There's no rogue member going on or it doesn't work. And so in our body, the church, we are united through functionality. And we're united for our maturity. Go to Ephesians. I just want to show you this, and we'll be done here real quick. I want to show you this because it's a neat, an important scriptural basis for why you should be a member of a church. Ephesians chapter 4. And I believe everyone here is a member tonight or becoming one as soon as they graduate from the Mike Smith class of new membership. That's going to be here soon. That's a blessing. I think we have 12 people and they're desiring to be a member of Cornerstone Baptist Church. What a, what, look what God does after COVID, amen? Or with COVID, praise the Lord. That's a blessing. Ephesians chapter four, let me show you. The Bible says in verse eight, wherefore he saith when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. We don't have time to go into that. It's Christ after he died and rose again. Verse 11 says this, and he, Jesus, gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, just stop for a second. I want you to, if, if you're a member of Cornerstone Baptist Church, maybe you don't like to write in your Bible, write somewhere, mentally write, you can put Pastor Walt Shepherd right here. Okay? Put Pastor Walt Shepherd. And some pastors and teachers. You know what a pastor does? Number one, he's a gift to you. He's a gift to you. You say, I don't like what God gave me. Maybe your pastor doesn't like what God gave him. <laughs> Ever thought about that way? Teenager, when you don't like what your parents do, look in the mirror and say, do, am I worth liking? It's a good question. I have to ask the same question, amen, as a husband. Now, here's what your pastor does. He watches for your soul. As they must give an account, Hebrews chapter 13. The Bible tells him to feed the flock. 1 Peter 5. He is an ensample to the flock to follow in 1 Peter 5.3. A pastor knows his sheep and is known by them. There's a picture of that in John 10. Luke chapter 15 is a picture of a pastor who seeks and rescues the one lost sheep. Someone who's looking out. Acts chapter 20, he is commanded to watch out for wolves. And John 10, Christ being the great shepherd, under shepherds as well, give their life for the sheep. And I know some pastors that literally gave their whole body to the, to the pastor, wore them out. The pastor of the church is a gift to you. Bible says in verse 12, Ephesians 4, 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These are kind of like a cascading purpose clauses here. It's not a series adds why did god give us pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints okay let me ask you a question if you're not in a church can you scripturally be perfected not in this passage you see why i listen to sermons all the time is that god's gift to you or is that god's gift to another assembly 
So we get kind of iffy on, we just, the, the real problem when people don't want to become a member, I'm not saying some people that are in transition, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying some people who's been hurt and is looking for a place, okay? But people who say, I'm done with church, I'm not going to be a member anymore, I'm just going to come and, you know, maybe give some money for missions or that. The real issue, I'm just going to say it, authority. It's authority. I do not want to be accountable to anybody. Well, let me ask you a question. How does the internet pastor watch for your soul? How does he give account to God in the day of judgment if he doesn't even know you're watching him? I mean, it's an interesting point, isn't it? At some point, we have to say, I am accountable to this gift to the body, this man, this pastor, God's gift to me. The cascading clauses, he says, why do you give it pastors and teachers? For the perfecting of the saints. Why does God use a pastor to perfect the saints? Next phrase, for the work of the ministry. For the work of the ministry. Why does God want the saints to work? For the edifying of the body of Christ. These purposes cascade down. That's why he gave it. By the way, we, I can stop any of those purposes along the way by stopping the growth in my Christian life. I can stop that. I, I remember a lady in a church I was in one time who said, I, you know, I, I don't really, you know, she was telling me about the issues with the pastor, and she says, you know, I just, I'm not really, not really, I don't really like him. She was kind of hem-hawing around a little bit. She said, but I tell you what, you know, he preaches the word of God, and so I'm just going to keep coming here. And I thought, that's only going to go so far. You, you, there's something weird, but God uses a messenger to give the message. And people will say, well, I love the word of God, but I can't stand that man up there. It's not going to last. Trust me, it will not last. Well, I go to hear the word of God, but the problem is it's not a robot up there. That's why Paul said you should know your pastor. You should know them. You need to know their heart. You know, sometimes a pastor will say something and you think it's right to you. And he was not thinking about you at all. That's probably most of the time. And you're like, he's got me in, my, in the crosshairs. He's trying to take me out. Probably not. You think you're too important. Amen? He may not. And by the way, I know I was in somebody's crosshairs one time. Can I tell the story? There was a young evangelist that was preaching a fiery message and he wrapped it up and he didn't get the response that he was looking for. And so he had us all standing for prayer and he said, you might be here tonight and you're not coming to the altar right now and you need to come to the altar. Nobody was going to the altar after that. So he doubled down. He said, you might be in the ministry tonight and God's speaking to your heart and you should come to this altar. My family and I were just kind of shifting our feet a little bit. No, nothing. So, literally, you might be traveling on the road. I have no idea who he's talking about. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. He literally, are like, I guess we should just go. I mean, the man needs some, some results to put the door of the Lord. So, we, I don't know if we did or not. But, yeah, I've been spoken to it directly before. But most of the time, God's speaking to me, not a man. But I want you to see in verse 13 why God gave you a pastor. Ephesians 4.13, till we all come in the what? 
Hmm. The unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a what? A perfect man under the measure of the statute of the fullness of Christ. Edification leads to being perfect or complete. It means to, it, it get, helps you to be filled with the fullness of Christ. Can I make a statement, a bold statement? Your spiritual growth will be stunted if you are not a faithful member of a church. Because God placed that pastor as a gift to you. And he said, it's so that you and I can come in the unity of faith. And he said, so I can be a perfect man. You say, well, that was just the Apostle Paul. Well, look at the things that the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians to get right. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of personality in Apostle Paul. People didn't like Paul's personality. They didn't like the way he said things sometimes. But he still gave the truth. And he was endeavoring a very, very hard thing to do to get a Jewish Christian and a Gentile Christian to sit next to each other. Not only that, to love one another, to share communion together. It's a huge thing. One body in Jesus Christ. Maturity is an indicator that pastors are doing a good job. The maturity of the believer is an indicator that a pastor is doing a good job. When people talk about the word of God at a church, I believe the pastor is doing a good job. When people talk about the things of God, you have a good pastor in that church. And all saints are doing a good job if they're doing the work of the ministry. I don't have time to go into, but there's plenty more we could talk about. You know what the natural outcome is of the saints being perfected under the preaching and, and, and shepherding of a pastor? And that is this. The saints will do the work of the ministry. A pastor that preaches the word of God and a people. By the way, I'm a pastor and I'm still a sheep. I'm still under the headship of God's word. By the way, I also have other pastors that I talk to and get advice from. And I've had some of them say, uh, hello, idiot, you need to change. Uh, Brother J. Folks, not so kind when you talk to him on the telephone. <laughs> That's when he tells you the real stuff and says, you need to change. You need to fix this. So I'm, I'm not under, uh, out of, under authority. No pastor is, by the way. He's under the headship of Jesus Christ, and he also has other people that are watching out for him. Thank God. Beware of a pastor, by the way, that has no advisor over top of him. But the natural outcome of pastor perfecting the saints is the saints doing the work of the ministry. And the natural outcome of saints doing the work of the ministry is the increase and edifying of the body of Christ. I'm going to make a statement about Cornerstone Baptist Church. I personally, being here 10 years, believe there has been more spiritual growth in the last two and a half. And Pastor Shepard would say the same thing. And I'll tell you what it is. You're in the work of the ministry. You say, we're all, we're all hired by the church, where's my check? No. We're all, the work of the ministry, as Brother Tom Gang says, is the ministry that Jesus Christ worked. And what did he do? He discipled. He left 12 men and took off. Died, buried, rose again from the dead, and left the 12 men and said, you men, carry it on. That was the work Christ did. John 7, 17 tells us he finished it even before the cross, right? We've studied this. 
So the work of the ministry is multiplication. When Cornerstone Baptist Church picked that up and said, I want to hand down words to someone else, the maturity level, the con- the conversation of Cornerstone Baptist Church, the heartbeat of this church started to expand. And people got interested in how to help other people. I'm not saying it was bad before. I'm saying the body is now increasing under the edifying of itself in love. It was not just Pastor Shepherd's responsibility to edify you. He is to help perfect you. He's there to help perfect me so that we would do the work of the ministry. And when we do, the fullness of the stature of of a mature man. We, We start to look like a mature Christian. We start to look like a mature body. You say, what do you mean? If you ever studied the New Testament, there were there were churches who had a reputation. Just like towns had a reputation. And God wants to mature each church. Just like he wants to mature each member. And as you submit to the gift that God has given you, God will perfect you to work the ministry. If you and I resist the gifts that God has given us, we will stunt our growth. Oh, I've watched it. I've seen it in my own life. When I conflate the personality of the pastor with the actual truth of God and the words of God, and I let that thing get mixed up, I stop listening. I stop heeding. I stop growing, and I stop giving. I'm not giving out. Just let me challenge you as a body of Christ. Be a member and unify Unify under its authority. I don't have time. I'm done. There's a lot of things I could cover with it. But the natural outcome, again, of pastors perfecting the saints is the saints doing the work of the ministry. And the natural outcome of the saints doing the work of the ministry is the increase in the edifying of the body of Christ. The church is to be the body of Christ exemplified by membership. There's a connection when you're a member. There is an accountability when you're a member. There is a unifying that takes place. It helps to avoid division. It helps avoid diversity, fighting, when we're united as a member. When I stand here, and in just a few weeks, I will probably stand at Treasure Valley Baptist Church. And whatever they do there, I don't know if they make you stand on your head or what they make you do. But, and they say, would you like to be a member of this church? However, that body, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, receives members into its, into its local body. My wife and I stand there. I realize one thing. I have a loyalty to the, local, to the, to the, the body of Christ as a whole. I have a loyalty. I have a responsibility to you. But now it has shifted to a new local assembly. And my job is to be a member of that body and to unite in love and to edify one another and to work the ministry and to perfect the saints and to be perfected. Can I say this to you? Never get over what God's given you here. Don't take it for granted. Don't uh, expect it to always be that way without contributing. Be involved Allow God every once in a while to give you a good shower. 
good power wash with the word of God. You remember Brother, uh, oh, his name just escaped me. And our church, why, his man, he's from Kentucky. Brother Kenzer used to come straight from work. He had this $60,000 truck, and he had an air compressor on it. And he would come to teach Wednesday night for the kids. He would sit out there in the parking lot. Remember this, Mr. Kristen? And he'd take that hose, and he'd... In the, in the parking lot. What are you doing, Brother Kenzer? I'm getting ready, for, getting ready for Wednesday night service, he'd say. I'm getting ready. I'm like, wow, how about some soap? Nope, the air is fine. And he just... He'd blow it all off, grab his Bible, come in and teach. You know what? That's what I need. Submitted to the washing of the water by the word. Don't get over it, please. When we submit to it, then God can perfect us. And when we're perfected, we can work the ministry that God's given us.